Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome to Focus Today. I'm your host, Perry Atkinson. And of course, we're all concerned about the economy these days. And even as we speak, uh, Wall Street's experiencing some deep red ink today. What's it all about? Well, it could be binomics. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. But uh, I'm always delighted and honored to have with us uh, Professor Michael Bustler is back with us today, Professor of Public Policy and Analysis and uh, Professor of Finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. And he has uh, websites, very informative, muckrack.com forward slash Michael Bustler. And there's a picture of the landing page. And uh, I think you'll find it to be very resourceful. Hey, Professor, good to see you, friend. How are you? I'm doing well, Perry. How are you? It's always my pleasure to be here. So well, thanks thank for you. Having me. Thank you for your time. I am the perpetual student. One day I'll graduate from your class. <laughs> okay. What is binomics from your point of view? You know, that's a good question. So uh, President Biden today is out on, I guess, the campaign trail. I believe he's in South Carolina and he's going to talk about uh, Bidenomics. So what he's going to say is, uh, look, since he's been president, the economy has added 13 million new new jobs uh, and he'll uh, tout that his uh, spending plans, the American Rescue Plan, the infrastructure bill, um, the uh, bill to make more chips, uh, he'll say all of that has uh, proven to be very beneficial to the economy. And regardless of how you as a citizen may feel about the economy, the economy is really doing very well. Okay, so why can't we bring this in for a reality check here? Uh, I'm trying to figure out, um, it seems like commerce is happening, but it's more expensive. Um, and everybody say it's negative. What's the, what's the real line here, Coach? <laughs> yeah. So here's um, here here's where we are. Uh, the economy is slowing down. Recall in the first half of last year we had negative growth in GDP. Then in the third and fourth quarter, uh, growth picked up to. Um, over 3% in the third quarter and just under 3% in the fourth quarter. That was almost entirely due to um, stimulus packages that were passed by the federal government uh, that were allocated to the state. And finally, in the summer of uh, 2022, the state states started spending uh, that money and that kept the economy from sliding further. Now, most of that has been spent uh, so the first quarter of 2023, the economy grew at about a 2% rate, so still not a bad rate, but slowing down from the third and fourth quarter. The second quarter this year, which was just over last week, we'll get the data at the end of the month, most of my colleagues are forecasting about a 1% to 1.5% growth. So the economy continues to slow down. The consensus view is that we're likely to enter a recession right about now. Um, the good news is it won't be a very steep recession. And the reason for that is we have a severe labor shortage. There's roughly 10 million job openings today and about 6 million unemployed people. So we have a labor uh, shortage. So typically during recessions, companies lay off workers and then the workers' income goes down and that tends to make the recession worse. This time, we're gonna see a reduction in the number of job openings 
before companies start laying people off. In other words, you have a company that says, look, we need 10 people to operate efficiently. I've been operating with nine for the last two years because I just can't get anybody else. So I have one job opening. As the business slows down, they'll be reluctant to lay people off, but rather they'll stop looking for that 10th worker. So what you'll see here um, is a, I believe, a mild recession, and the unemployment rate won't go up nearly as much as it does uh, during typical recessions. I think I understand that. I'll come back to that in just a moment. Um, let me jump ahead a little bit. Uh, the Dow, as we speak, is down 485 points, and the Fed's talking about more interest rate hikes. What's that combination tell you? Well, um, it's hard to tell uh, in just one day, um, uh, one day movement in the Dow exactly what, what's happening because you typically get um, big declines and a day or two later, you'll get a big uh, increase. I'm not sure that'll happen this time, but that does happen. So it's hard to make any conclusions from just a day or two um, in the uh, Dow. However, you make a very good point the Federal Reserve, which paused their interest rate hikes last month, uh, the consensus view is they're going to pick those interest rate hikes up as early as the end of uh, July. And Chair Powell has said that there will be probably two more interest rate hikes. As I've said on the program numerous times, I think the federal funds rate is going to have to hit 6% before we have a serious uh, dent in the inflation problem. Right now, it's in the five, five and a quarter range. A couple more rate hikes will bring it up close to 6%. And that's where I think we have to be to get rid of this inflation. Now, some people say, well, wait a minute. Inflation was uh, running on an annual basis 9% back in June of 2022. It's down to 4% now. So haven't we brought it down? And the answer is yes, we brought it down significantly, mostly because of the Federal Reserve uh, tightening up. But much of that decrease in the inflation rate was due to energy prices, which account for about 30% of the consumer price index. Energy prices going down. Um, and even today, uh, energy prices are much lower than they uh, have been in the past year. Oil-producing nations uh, don't want to see a $70 per barrel um, price on oil. So uh, just the other day, uh, Saudi Arabia announced they're going to cut back on oil production. Even Russia said they're going to cut back on oil production. So if the price of oil goes back up, and some of my colleagues are, I don't know if this is right or not, but some of my colleagues are forecasting oil could be as high as $90 to $100 a barrel by the end of the year. I don't know if that's right or not, um, but they do. The oil producing nations do want the price of oil uh, to go higher. The problem with the U.S. that the U.S. has, although the overall inflation rate has come down, much of that has been due to uh, energy prices actually falling. If you take out energy and food prices are also volatile, you take those out and get what we call the core inflation rate. That's running at over five percent. And there's some signs that that's likely to accelerate in the near future, which is why the Federal Reserve is saying that we're going to raise interest rates two more times before the end of the year. The, the real uh, fly in the ointment is we don't know what's going to happen to uh, energy prices because it's now controlled by uh, countries other than the U.S. And the prior administration um, 
the U.S. was uh, energy independent. In fact, we're exporting uh, some of our energy. That's no longer the case. Oil production is down significantly um, in the U.S., down from about 12.5 million barrels a day to about 11. Um, and as a result, now we can't even supply our own needs, so we're having to uh, in import some. So the bottom line is interest rates are going to head up. The economy is likely to slide into recession. I think the inflation rate should continue down, but the Federal Reserve will um, help to ensure that by raising rates a couple of times. And the what we don't know what's going to happen is uh, with energy prices. As we have talked about this, uh, Professor, over the last, say, six weeks or so, I've watched crude oil go from $68 today at $76. So it is, it is heading up. And then you throw high interest rates on top of that. Uh, that's the one thing that could catapult us into recession, don't you think? Um, and that's likely to, uh, to, to happen. As we just said, energy prices are uh, likely to go up. The Federal Reserve, their, their primary, um, their top priority now is inflation. Mm. The, the Federal Reserve is supposed to have three goals. Price stability, keep inflation low, full employment, and economic growth. For some reason, in 2021, they forgot about the price stability goal, and they just kept interest rates near zero and kept flooding the market uh, with uh, increased money supply by buying $240 billion a month of government bonds. Finally, in June of 2022, Chair Powell said price stability is now our number one goal, and that's when they started pushing, uh, pushing interest rates up. Inflation is, is, a, is a horrible thing. Ronald Reagan used to say it's a cancer, and if you don't treat it early and aggressively, it ends up causing all kinds of problems in the economy. Finally, the Federal Reserve, I think, is agreeing with that. They've made inflation their number one priority, that is reducing inflation. Even if it brings on a recession, which again, I believe will be mild, we have to get rid of this inflation problem before it gets really entrenched. And once it gets entrenched, it's very difficult to uh, get out, mostly because we want run into what's called the wage price spiral. In other words, prices went up 5%. So labor says, well, I need at least a 6% raise to stay ahead of inflation. Well, then labor costs just go up 6%, so business has to raise prices more. Inflation goes up, then labor says, I need a bigger raise, and you run into this wage price spiral. Very difficult to, uh, to end. So I think the Federal Reserve is right to bring inflation down, even if it causes a, minor, a mild recession. Okay, I want to come back to the employment issue. Um, you're talking about full employment. <clears throat> Um, I'm beginning to question this employment number is it really is accurate. And, and let me tell you why. Um, I, have, I can't talk to anybody that hires people that isn't looking for people. It's just not a few places here and there. Everybody that I understand is looking for employees, which tells me not everybody does have a job. <laughs> what, why, are we, why, are, why doesn't this pass the smell test? Um, if you look at what's called the labor force participation rate, and that's the percentage of adults between 18 and 65 who are either working or actively seeking a job, so they're in the labor force, the percentage of 
um, adults in the labor force has been decreasing since the um, pandemic. So uh, even though it looks like there's full employment, a lot of it is due to people who simply have dropped out and stopped looking for uh, work and have dropped out and are therefore not counted as uh, as unemployed. And that's where you're getting a little bit of your uh, mixed signals. Everybody I know is looking for workers, and I feel the same way. I walk down the street, there's a help wanted sign in, in every um, window. Um, and the reason for that is that people just stopped working during the pandemic, and for whatever reason, they're not coming back to, to work. That's why we have this labor shortage today. As I say, on the good side, when a recession does come, it will mean the number of job openings will go down, but I don't think the unemployment rate is going to go up very high. So there's a part of this argument that still doesn't make any sense. If people are just stop looking for work, what are they living on? Uh, well, I so I don't have hard data on this, but um, when I spoke to workers, they were in two two groups. I found people that were 55, 58, approaching 60, and they said, "Look, uh, I'm going to be." retiring uh, soon, um, I'm older now, I'm not sure they have this COVID thing completely cured. And a lot of people said, I'm just not going back to work and they do what they have to do. The other group I found were people under 25 years old. And I talked to some of them, again, off hard data, but I did talk to some of them. And what they said to me was, um, during the pandemic, I didn't have to pay my rent and I couldn't get evicted. I didn't have to pay my school loan. And there was a moratorium on that, which still is going on uh, today. Um, they also said, you know, the federal government with these stimulus programs, I got thousands of dollars from the federal government, whether anybody was um, uh, negatively impact, impacted financially by the pandemic or not, the federal government just gave out uh, all this money. So the young people I talk to say, you know, the federal government gave me money. I'm not, I don't have to pay my rent. I don't have to pay my school loan. I can sit around and do nothing. I'm going to stretch this out as long as I possibly can. So I think those are the two groups, the over 55s and the under 25s that didn't come, come back to work. Fascinating. All right, let me take a quick break. Always an honor to have with us. Professor Michael Butzler is with us today from Stockton University. His own personal website is muckrack.com forward slash Michael Bustler. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. And uh, always an honor to have with us uh, Professor Michael Bustler, public policy analysis and professor of finance there at Stockton University. And let me encourage you to check out his own website, muck dot, excuse me, muckrack.com forward slash Michael Bustler. And there's a picture of the landing page you're watching on the Dove Television Network. Uh, professor, are you surprised? Uh, the recent poll shows that three in 10 Americans believe that the president's economic plan is good. Quite frankly, are you surprised it's that high? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure who who the thirty uh, percent represent, um, but for the average American uh, who's seen, uh, yeah, everybody's back to work. Who wants to go uh, back to work? Okay, we solved that. Um, but the average American is seeing prices going up much faster than their wages and, and income. That means you have a reduction in purchasing power and a lower standard of living. Those are things that people feel. And while you can try to uh, influence people's opinions um, on, on things, you can't influence how they feel. And if people feel like, hey, I'm not getting ahead here, I'm going out to buy things and they're much more expensive than they were uh, last year or the year before, and my income is not going up to covering it, covering it, I'm having to buy less goods and services or have to change my buying habits, they feel uh, less wealthy. And no matter what the president says, it, it really isn't gonna have a, much of an impact. Um, the the 30% must be people who um, get government contracts and the government has been spending like crazy. The last four fiscal years, 2021, 22, and 23, which is over in September, the last four fiscal years, the federal government will have deficit spent, that has spent more money than they brought in in taxes, $9 trillion, $9 trillion. That's why we have the uh, public debt problem that we have. But when they pump that much money into the economy, anybody who's involved in a government contract or any kind of government work, they think this is great. They're more business than they've seen. The government is giving out money. The government's giving out contracts. So I would, those 30% will say, hey, yeah, keep this up. Keep having the government spend all this money, and I feel good about that. For the other 70% of it, uh, we feel terribly about the way the economy is going, no matter what anybody says. I want to swing your attention to uh, the Supreme Court uh, saying no to the president's executive order of forgiving student loans. Now, this is a this was an order against the power of the presidency and, a, and, a, and an executive order. So uh, he can't wipe out four billion dollars in loans. It does come back to the uh, to the uh, secretary of education who is now looking at ways to may still get around. But even the secretary of education can't forgive this. So those student loans now are back on the balance sheet. <laughs> and um, they may have been suspended, but now they have to start paying it. This could be catastrophic down the road, don't you think? Well, it'll certainly hope, uh, hurt younger people uh, who have taken out loans and haven't paid interest on them in over three and a half years, and now they're going to have to start paying interest. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt them. Frankly, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad as everybody says. You take a look, the president was going to forgive $10,000 worth of debt, or in some cases up to $20,000. Well, $10,000 worth of debt, and the, the government charges high interest rates, which is one area where they really can help. But $10,000 worth of debt stretched out over 10 years comes out to a little over $300 a, a month. Now, that's a, a fair amount of money, but it's a car payment. Today, it's not even a car payment, but it's less than a, a car payment. So I don't think it'll be disastrous. I just think that younger people are going to have to learn to live with within their means. I also um, I think it's a little bit hypocritical. Um, I hear these people. Well, I got out of college. I'm making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. When you take out my housing expense and all my expenses, I can barely uh, make it. So I think you should forgive my loans. 
Well, what I would say to them was, if you didn't go to college and didn't take out these loans, you would never be making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. You'd probably be making half of that. So, if that's the case, you're far better off with the loans and a good education with higher income than you would be without the loans, not having the higher education and having less uh, less income. Um, the other thing is people have to learn to pay their debts. And it's 13% of the population has student loans. The other 87% don't. So if you're saying forgive the loans, you want the other 87% to uh, pay for the loans that, that you got. And they say, well, why should I do that? I paid off my loans, or I didn't go to college and I have no loans, or I did go to college and I worked my way through so I didn't have to take out loans. Why should we be penalized? Because you're worried about 13% of the population. Yeah. This will have a negative impact, there's no doubt about it. I don't think it will be a huge negative impact we're likely to be in a recession when they start paying again in October. It might make the recession slightly worse. Um, but again, I think it's the you know the price people have to pay. You borrowed money. You signed a promissory note. I promise to repay this money. And you've got to learn to live live up to your obligations. So um, sympathetic. I mean, I had huge student loans, which I paid off, um, and I understand they're they're a burden. But it, it's part of growing up, and it's part of entering into the world, and it's part of becoming an adult and realizing you have to budget your money. And when you make obligations, you have to honor your obligations. Yeah, I yeah. I, I think there's a lot in just what you said. I I agree with that 100. percent There was a um, a position to be considered, let me put it that way, that if you look at the big picture, the government has loaned this money to students. Wouldn't it be at least a good move to get the principal back? At the very least, if you're looking for ways yeah. to, to compromise, right. you know, some of these loans have seven, eight percent interest rates. Right, right, right. Um, there's no reason for that. If you really want a good first step that I think everybody will agree to, lower the interest rate to two percent or suspend the interest rate, just have them pay back principal. Um, that may be a compromise that both sides of the aisle can um Agreed to. So, yeah, Perry, I think you're making a very good suggestion. Um, so, uh, so, Professor, uh, between now and the end of the year, you got interest rates are going to go up. You got inflation coming at you, a potential short term recession, high energy uh, costs. What's your forecast for the next third and fourth quarter? So, I think the third and fourth quarter, we will be in a slight recession. Um, I think the interest rates will go up and the, the uh, federal funds rate will get close to the 6% level that I said it should have last year was my forecast. It would have to get up to about, excuse me, 6% to bring the inflation rate down. So interest rates will be a little higher. The economy will be in recession. Um, if oil starts to become, a, uh, oil prices start to become a, a, a problem, <clears throat> that's going to keep the inflation rate from falling as quickly as as we'd like it to. But look, it, it's the overall policies that got us into this mess. Uh, so if we can change the overall policies, it'd be a little painful to get out of this mess, but then we won't have to worry about getting in it again. The Federal Reserve made a huge mistake in 2021 by keeping interest rates near zero and pumping up the money supply. The deficit spending in 2020, the economy went into a deep 
recession. They passed the stimulus bill. The economy came back. So we had what we call a V-shaped recovery. So the economy uh, came back. When Biden came into office, there was no need for any more stimulus. But he had some social programs he wanted to work on. He wanted uh, some social uh, um, inequalities he felt should be dealt with. There was climate change to be dealt with, infrastructure to be dealt with, all those things. And he just spent way more money uh, than he should have spent. And even after that, going into 2022 uh, and fiscal 23, there's still about a trillion and a half dollar deficit in each of those two years. So if you really want to fix this problem, try as best you can to get the deficit down. If you come close to balancing the budget, that would be great. And have the Federal Reserve be a little more responsible with their monetary policy, and we wouldn't have gotten into this mess. Look, for 40 years, from 1980, 81-ish to uh, 2022, for 40 years, we had inflation in check. What happened? The Federal Reserve forgot what they're supposed to do, especially in 2021, and the federal government just started spending money like crazy. And now we have this huge public debt. So yeah. get government spending down and con the House of Representatives is doing their best to do that. That's very difficult. And have the Federal Reserve maintain a responsible position going forward. And we won't have an inflation problem to deal with. All right, Professor, two quick questions before I run out of time. Uh, jobs report, I think it's coming out tomorrow. Do you have any anticipations about that? Um, the, um, ADP um, has their own forecast. I haven't seen it. It's supposed to be out uh, today. But I think you're looking at about 250,000 jobs, which is a very healthy economy. Now, if it turns out to be a lot higher than that, the Federal Reserve will say, look, uh, we, we can't. The economy is still overheated. We're going to have to get more aggressive with interest rates. But I'm looking for about 250,000 jobs, which is still a healthy economy. And lastly, uh, Janet Yellen goes over to China. What was that all about? <laughs> Normally, uh, as in the prior administration, you tra send a trade representative there. The Secretary of the, the Treasury, Congress allots money to be spent. The Secretary of the, and the Treasury actually write the check and take in the uh, tax revenue. I'm not sure why he sent her over there to handle this. There are some other trade problems that should be uh, dealt with. The Chinese are talking about restricting the supply of some uh, crucial chemicals that are used to make batteries. That could be an, an issue. And then, you know, they sent that spy balloon over the, the country and we didn't do anything about it. Well, that should be talked about. Their ships, their uh, airplanes are starting to buzz some of our airplanes. That should be talked about uh, there. And even their ships are uh, doing some threatening things. So I don't know if Janet Yellen was the right person to send over. We should have conversations with them. And I believe we should take a very firm position as the prior administration did. We're not going to let you get away with these things. We're not going to stand for it. You either play by the rules or there will be consequences uh, for you. And that seemed to work very well for the prior administration. What going on? Man, I don't know how you've processed all that. <laughs> <laughs> Just let it go in and see what comes out. <laughs> okay. Thanks, uh, Thanks, Professor, sir. for your time. We value it. You're always there when we call. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, uh, muckrack.com forward slash Michael Bustler. 
That's his website. I think you'll find a lot of these things that we talk about highlighted there. And it's very resourceful. Again, muckrack.com forward slash Michael Bustler. Professor, thanks, friend. Have a great day. Thank you, Perry. Always a pleasure. Look forward to doing it again. Okay. Okay. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.